cause the Kings is back. It goes one for the money, homie, two for the show. We told the roof off his mother, now it's time to blow. Like, we don't need no water, no bother, we let it burn. We keep the fire just a little bit hotter. That way you'll learn. Respect I earn. Started with the click that I hate. Respect I earn. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Magmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. Feels good to be back. And we're talking some TMNT today. And it uh, feels good, especially after last week. Uh, we all pretty much agreed that Turtles 3 was pretty disappointing. Not anybody of the Sweep Delay Podcast Nation was a fan too much of Part 3. But we have finally come to TMNT, which I think most of you have waited for this episode because this seems to be the fan favorite it seems to be number one and then tmnt and i've gotten all your emails and thank you guys for getting those in on time and i have different feelings than most of you guys do and of course we'll get into that when i get into the review but it's going to be some good times i mean i definitely love this movie but what i mean by different feelings you will soon find out. So before we go ahead and get into the review of TMNT, let's go ahead and get into some movie and music news. Back and forth like a daytime drama. Up and down like a yo-yo mama. Say there's gonna be days like this Cause light and dark don't coexist How you gonna see through this fog? How you gonna get back on cause? You ain't never gonna feel the force If you don't connect to a power source Cause you've been swapping out day for night But you see a lamp light burning bright If you pick your flip-flops off the porch We're passing you the torch When the boys light up, you know Who gets the praise, who owns the show? All right, first bit of news is looks like everybody is pretty excited and happy with the results of watching the Muppet movie that just recently came out. I've read a lot of Facebook statuses of my friends and fans of the show that have seen the movie, and of course, they were not disappointed one bit. And I personally have not seen the new film yet, but I know based on reviews and just talks to my friends that it was pretty, pretty epic. Now, the funny thing is the guy that's actually in the film, I'm not a big fan of, but it sounds like he did a good job in Amy Adams. Everybody was pretty excited for her to be in the film, and it sounds like she did a really good job. I am happy. Uh, Well, I actually can't wait to see it. So it's going to be some good times. And, you know, it looks like it did really good at the box office. So that is some pretty exciting news, especially for, you know, if we're trying to reboot a series. It looks like the Muppets are definitely on the right track. So that is some good news there. Now, I haven't seen the Star Trek film. In fact, I haven't seen any of the Star Trek films. Um, as you guys know, 
it's kind of Star Wars versus Star Trek. You know, I'm definitely not one of those kind of people who are like, well, Star Wars is better than Star Trek, or Star Trek is better than Star Wars. But as a kid, I always had Star Trek kind of thrown down my throat and, you know, forced in front of me kind of thing. And, you know, at that point, you kind of put up a wall. So needless to say, I never wanted to watch the Star Trek films. But I know that the remake that was just done a little while ago got really great reviews a lot of people like it and they said if you're gonna watch any Star Trek movie to watch that one but for you guys that are wanting a sequel it looks like we are getting the sequel and there's a new character that's gonna be introduced in the film there's an actress by the name of Alice Eve that's gonna be joining the sequel so just in case you didn't know Star Trek is going to have a sequel and looks like they're also going to have a new character. So pretty exciting news for you guys if you're a fan of that series. So not really any new Dark Knight news, just that the filming has completed and Christian Bale has been in recent interviews just saying how he's hung up his cape and cowl for the last time and how much fun he had making the film and how great his co-stars are. So it looks like pretty soon in January, uh, you know, we're going to be getting a trailer. We all know we're getting the prologue to the Mission Impossible 3 film or what Mission Impossible 4 is it? I don't know how many there are, but we all know that the new Mission Impossible film is going to get the prologue. I know a lot of people are actually just buying tickets to watch that. And if you didn't know already, it's just going to be about uh, the first 10 minutes of the film, which is going to introduce the main character. So I'm pretty excited for that. Can't say I'm going to be going to the theater to watch that. I'm just probably going to catch it online when it hits a couple days later. And I'll give you my inside scoop or, you know, what I think about it when it comes. So one interesting thing that I read today is Brian Singer. We all know Brian Singer. He was the director of Superman Returns. He's also the director of the first X-Men films, number one and X2. He is actually going to direct and ex uh, executive produce the Monsters reboot. If you guys remember, it's a very kind of old uh, 60s TV show which had Fred Gwynn and it's a real good fun show had a really cool theme song so I'm interested to see how this is gonna go but only time's gonna tell of course and for the last part of movie news uh, not really too much going on this week uh, now Men in Black 3 is coming out soon now uh, I like Men in Black 1, you know, I love Will Smith, that guy's always a, a winner. Part 2 uh, was kind of a disappointing sequel, I definitely didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I did the first one. And Part 3 is coming out, which is going to have Will Smith in the film, but it's not going to have um, our good friend Tommy Lee Jones. Or at least that's what I've read at this point. I mean, if he is going to be in the film, that's news to me. It's pretty much the guy from Goonies, the uh, oldest brother. He is the guy that's kind of being Will Smith's partner. So I can't say I'm looking forward to this film. But there are some teaser posters going on. it, And one of them actually looks like Tommy Lee Jones, which is why I'm confused. So I actually think Tommy Lee Jones is probably going to be in this film after all. So I have no idea what's going on. But... Uh, anyways, I can't say I'm too excited for Men in Black 3. I mean, I definitely want to see a Bad Boys 3 way before I'd want to see a Men in Black 3. But you know what? It is what it is. So, so that's what I got this week for movie news. Now, let's go ahead and get into some music news real quick. The most interesting article that I read this week, which 
was actually pretty cool. Now, uh, you know, Nickelback, uh, I like their stuff. They've got some really good songs. Uh, there's some songs that have been singles that I'm like, ah, you know, I could kind of take it or leave it. But for the most part, they're pretty solid rock band. And one thing is, is they're always ripped on by critics and, and stuff like that. And one cool thing is, uh, in Billboard, they have an interview where they said that, you know, we get it all the time where we've never been a critic's darling or anything like that, but the people speak, we sell a lot of records, and we fill a lot of arenas, and we don't hear many complaints. And I think that's a pretty valid statement. You know, there's a lot of bands out there that people just love and critics hate, but a lot of those people, unfortunately, kind of get... Uh, mildly about it and really are mad that critics don't like it but it's kind of cool that Nickelback says you know what you don't like it who cares you know we have fans they love it they don't complain and you know Chris Daughtry actually always had a lot of comparisons to the band Nickelback and he there's a song actually their first single off of their second album um, was actually co-written with Nickelback and he's like you know what they're a great band you can compare my band to them that's awesome and I like it when other bands are compared to other bands and they expect those people to be mad because they're being compared because they're being compared to those bands and I just like it when the bands kind of slap them in the face and say really you're comparing me to that band that's great I love that band it's just kind of I always enjoy that. You don't see that too much nowadays. It's like, oh, I don't sound like that band. I'm original. or You know, you can take any artist and at least compare them to somebody uh, of another time or anything like that. You know, of course there's original artists, but there's always at least one song or some comparison you can be like, well, if you kind of like this song or you like this artist, then you're going to like this. You know, there's no particular original person where there's not one person that's ever sounded like them ever before. And if there is, hey, that's news to me. You got to send me an email and let me know. But anyways, I really like it when bands do that. It's pretty cool. It's just kind of a slap in the critic's face like, ah, you thought you were going to make me mad, but you didn't. So I really enjoyed that article. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, that is what I got this week. Not a whole lot of movie and music news, which is cool with me if it's cool with you. So let's go ahead and get into the review of TMNT. There's a legendary group of warriors that travels under the cover of darkness and fights for all those in need. But they have never been needed more than right now. You did see that up there? I've got a bad feeling. Between two worlds, every 3,000 years, the stars align, unleashing an army of monsters. That can't be good. Beyond our universe. Within hours, we'll lose the city, and within weeks, the world. There's a brotherhood. Attack is one! That cannot be broken. Destroy them. Aren't you cute? You want a butt-kicking little fella? Hey! Did anyone get the license plate of that thing that hit us last night? 
look like your mom, dude. <laughs> yeah, that would make her your mom too, doofus. All right, I am super pumped to be talking about this film. It's been four weeks, feels like four long weeks, but we're finally here. Now, if you didn't know, the song in the beginning that you heard, you know, as the intro song, is uh, the remix version of P.O.D.'s song, Lights Out. And that's my favorite song from the TMNT soundtrack. And if you didn't know, I'm sure you did, especially if you just watched the film where that song is, that's the scene where the Turtles and Splinter go in, fight in with April O'Neil and Casey Jones to, you know, right before all the monsters come towards the end. That's when they're in the great, you know, in that big old yard and taking on all those hundreds of foot soldiers and stuff. Awesome fighting scene and you get to see April O'Neil in action. That's the song that they play during that fight and stuff. So that's my favorite song. Plus, you know, I'm a big P.O.D. fan and that song originally is a really rocking song and they kind of took it and made it as a, a dance remix song, which I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I hate remixes. Remixes to me, in a way, really take away from the original song. There's very, very few remixes where I either enjoy or I think is better than the original. I think there's maybe only three remixes I've ever heard where I said, that sounds better than the original song. But for the most part, remixes are like, eh, it's all right, whatever. But I actually like that remix. It's pretty cool. It has the whole entire song, and you know they don't cut nothing out, which is really cool, but it takes all the rock part and turns it into a techno dance, which is pretty wicked. So that's definitely my favorite song off the soundtrack. And I thought it was an excellent way to start off the show so pretty cool so let's talk about uh tmnt which of course you know gonna talk about the overall uh, story of the film and then i'll go into what i like what i didn't like and uh and just just like normal and then we'll get into the fun stuff with the emails and all that other good stuff and then kind of a kind of it's not really a new segment but it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be the stl nation and I'll talk to you about that in just a little bit after we talk about the review here. So, TMNT. Now, obviously, TMNT is short for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, unless you're living under a rock. Everybody knows that. Now, the, here's kind of what's cool about TMNT. You can treat it both ways. You can treat this as TMNT or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, or you can treat this as its own film. See... The film doesn't necessarily say it takes place exactly after part three, so you really can take it as its own film. It's not until the very end where Splinter is, you know, kind of has the shelving unit that clearly shows you the egg timer from part three and the TGRI um, canister from part two and Shredder's mask. So that's what I really like about this film is you can treat it both ways. You can treat it as a film on its own or you can treat it as a film uh, in continuous with the series. Now, the film is CGI, which is by far the most perfect idea you could have gone with this film. For the simplest reason would be because of the story. I mean, the story, which I'll get into in a second, is dealing with monsters and trying to create all these kind of monsters in the live action type of film just wouldn't fly. The cool thing about the CGI is there's a couple of scenes in this film where the CGI looks so remarkable, kind of like the moments I'm watching Monsters Inc. or Finding Nemo, that I feel like I'm watching a real film that it's not CGI. That's good CGI. 
and uh, real good stuff. So let's see, TMNT came out in 2007, and this is obviously the fourth and the final installment of the original film series, because the next film I'm going to be talking about is Turtles Forever, which is purely a cartoon. Now, um, the difference is we're not going to see Shredder in this film, so the you know the setting is still in uh in New York City and we're going to be dealing with an army of ancient creatures that threaten to take over the world and the turtles have to unite again to save the world. Now, I know I haven't hit the emails yet, but the general consensus that I'm going to let you know is everybody pretty much all loves this film and the majority of you give it 4 stars. Or I think one or two gave it like four and a half stars. Now here's the funny thing about this. I was actually wrestling with a five star rating for this film. Because when I was watching I was like, man I can't find nothing wrong. Man I can't find nothing wrong. Now there is one thing that bothers me. Which uh, I'm going to get into in just a little bit. But I do have to admit I really had a hard time knocking this down from a five star because you know essentially when you go into a film you want a five star film but as time goes on uh, and the movie progresses it, the, your star rating slowly drops and drops until you get your final score and halfway through the film I'm like man this is good stuff man is this a five star film I don't know but uh, I'll obviously get into my final rating at the end but here's what's really awesome about this film we have uh we have Chris Evans, which, a.k.a. to all you newbies out there, that would be Captain America. Chris Evans was pretty much a comedic actor. In any film I've ever seen him in, he was always a funny guy. Uh, he is a voice. We have good old Buffy, Sarah Michelle Gellar, is a voice. We have Patrick Stewart, which, if you don't know who Patrick Stewart is, that would be Professor X from the original X-Men films. And we have good old Lawrence Fishburne, as the narrator in the film. But most of all, we get a final performance by Mako. Now, if you don't know Mako, probably the best film that I love and adore him in is Sidekicks. Sidekicks is a film with Jonathan Brandis and Chuck Norris. Jonathan Brandis unfortunately died pretty young, but Jonathan Brandis, if um, you've seen The NeverEnding Story, which I'm going to be covering The NeverEnding Story, but if you've seen the sequel, unfortunately, um, the original cast members weren't in there, but Jonathan Brandis is the one that uh, retook over the role in Neverending Story 2. And he was in um, he was in a TV show, I believe it was called Deep Quest Nine. Uh, I know people are yelling at me right now, Deep Space Nine or something like that, or Sea Quest, something like that. But anyways, Mako was in Sidekicks. He was essentially like the Mr. Miyagi type where he would teach Jonathan Brandis martial arts. And the thing is, Jonathan Brandis had asthma in the film so throughout the way the movie goes he'll eventually learn to control it and I've always loved Mako ever since I've seen that film and having him be the voice of Splinter works perfectly as Splinter. I would dare say he's actually better than the live action version of Splinter. He's the perfect sense of um, comedy uh, most of all you know being a, a, the the teacher the parent the master he does his, his voice work is perfect as splinter he does an excellent excellent job so let's go ahead and get into the overall story of the film and then we'll get into the good stuff okay so the film opens 3,000 years before the 21st century 
And during this time period, you're going to see this powerful warlord named um, Yaddle. If I'm saying that wrong, I know they said it in the film, but it's kind of it's kind of hard. But anyways, um, he has four generals, and they discover this portal that opens into like a parallel universe, which is said to have great power. Now, upon opening this portal. The warlord is exposed to this power and he's made immortal, but his four generals are turned to stone. So the portal also releases these 13 monsters who of course are immortal and they destroy his army as well as all of his enemies. Now afterwards the monsters escape into the world and he's left alone on the battlefield with these stone generals he has. And then the film cuts to the 21st century. Now, big change in the film. The turtles have grown apart. Uh, immediately, Leonardo is on. He is not with the turtles no more. Each of the guys has their own specific job. Um, the one thing that I really dig is the voice actor for Raphael. Now, you all know that I'm a PS3 guy. I'm not an Xbox guy. And there's one series for the PS3, which if you're not a video game person you probably won't know this game but there's a series of games on the ps3 called uncharted and it's supposedly like the you know the the big game like halo would be like the game that defines the xbox and uncharted is supposed to be the game that defies the ps3 which part two i would definitely say did that until god of war 3 came out kratos is a is a god is God of War and Kratos, that's a character from God of War, is exclusive to the PS3. But uh, now that Part 3 has come out, <laughs> Batman Arkham City is actually blown away uh, Uncharted in regards to awards and ratings. It's like 10 out of 10 in like four different, uh, four different magazines and stuff. It's pretty cool. But the voice actor of those films of that video game series, his name is Nolan North. And he is the voice of Raphael. He's also, he's a voice actor. He's done numerous roles. He's actually a villain. He's actually a couple different villains in the Batman uh, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, which is pretty cool. But he's most known and famous for being the voice of Drake from Uncharted. And if you watch Pretty Little Liars, he's also the father of Spencer. So he plays a complete douchebag on that show. But um, that's one thing that I absolutely love is he is 100% perfect as Raphael. So as I said, the film cuts to the 21st century. Turtles have grown apart. And uh, Master Splinter sent Leonardo away to Central America for training. And the rest of the turtles all live in New York. Now Donatello, um, which if you've ever seen the film My Cousin Vinny, uh, which I hope you have, especially if you're a Karate Kid fan. You gotta watch it because good old Daniel's son Ralph Macchio is in that film. That also has Joe Pesci and Marissa Tomei actually won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress that year. But the guy that is Ralph Macchio's friend, who you know is put on trial for murder, he is actually the voice of Donatello. Which when I found that out. I could totally see him, and I was like, oh, that, that's pretty cool. Donatello works as an IT specialist, and um, Michelangelo is pretty cool. He works as 
he works birthday parties basically as Cowabunga Carl, which is pretty cool. He just puts on a big turtle head, and everybody else thinks he has a turtle costume. So Michelangelo is absolutely hilarious. And then we have Raphael, who actually fights crime at night as this vigilante, vigilante known as Night Watcher. So April O'Neil, which if you're following the other three films, you would think she'd be a news reporter, but she's not a news reporter. But if you're watching this just as its own, um, she's she basically uh, works at this antique store called Second Time Around. And uh, she's kind of also a ninja too, which is pretty flipping cool. And um, the company... Um, her company locates rare relics and acquires them for collectors with the help of her boyfriend, Casey Jones. And Casey Jones is played by Chris Evans, which he does an excellent job. And it's great seeing Casey Jones back because we're going to get some awesome Casey Jones and Raphael time together. But essentially what happens is um, while on a business trip in Central America, April meets Leonardo, who you know, she advises him that he's got to return to New York, uh, but he's hesitant to do so out of fear that he hasn't completed his training yet. But April tells him that the other turtles have drifted apart, and you know Leo needs to come home. So April returns to New York with this stone statue of uh, her for her client Max Winters. He's like this wealthy CEO of this financial empire. Now Leo has this fantastic scene where he's aboard this plane and he jumps off and has this parachute and, and he touches water. I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But that's essentially how he returns. Real cool looking. So uh, April and Casey uh, deliver the statue to Winners at his corporal office. Now after they leave, Winners is visited by the Foot Clan and this lady named Carrera, uh, who he hires to scour the city searching for the 13 Beast. Uh, they're going to be drawn to New York before the reopening of the portal, which is scheduled to happen in a couple of days. So uh, the Night Watcher, when you're introduced to, um, Raphael actually encounters Casey and you know, Casey automatically knows that it's Raphael. He's like, dude, how'd you know it was me? He goes, well, he's like, was it that obvious? He goes, yeah. And um, he actually reveals um, the fact, uh, you know, that he's a night watcher, which is pretty cool. I like the fact that he didn't hide that or anything like that. And essentially, Casey Jones will kind of team up and be the sidekick. You know, they each argue who's the sidekick to who, which is really awesome to see Raph and Casey Jones back together again, especially if you missed that dynamic from the first film. And uh, after they get together, you're actually going to see winners um, reanimate the generals with this advanced technology, but they, uh, they remain stoned. So Leo returns home to the sewers of the Turtles where he faces Splinter. Now, Splinter, uh, desiring him to reunite with his brothers as a family, he actually forbids the Turtles from fighting until they can act as a team again. So while training, the Turtles encounter one of the 13 beasts battling the Foot Clan. So seeing the Foot Clan lose the battle, the Turtles defy Leo and Splinter's orders, of course, because, you know, they got to get into some mischief, and they engage the Beast as well. So the Beast easily defeats the Turtles, but before it can kill them, 
the four stone generals arrive and capture the beast. So the next morning, Leo and Raphael, they're squarling, you know, they're fighting, of course, and Splinter actually berates the turtles for disobeying them after he finds out about the damage that they caused. So Raphael leaves, he's clearly upset, and he goes to April's apartment to get Casey, because April and Casey are living together. And he's about to explain what's going on to Casey, and then they encounter one of the monsters, and witnesses they actually witness it being captured by the foot and these stone generals. So the generals actually spot him, and Raph is hit by this dart, fired by a foot ninja. So they're pursued by one of the generals until a police helicopter chases the general off. So Casey takes, you know, Raphael, he's unconscious, he's unconscious takes him back to the apartment. April calls the turtles, the other turtles for help. And while examining Ralph, uh, Raph, they are going to learn the identities of winners because his name is on the dart and the generals, which April obviously already knows it's the same guy that she's been working for. So Raph actually suggests they pursue winners, but Leo denies him, saying that they won't go anywhere until they get Splinter's blessing. Leo refuses to argue about his orders, so Raph, he basically says, I quit the team, and he goes out alone to investigate as the Night Watcher, which... The other turtles, I'm talking Mikey and Donnie, love the fact there's a Night Watcher, and Leonardo does not. Alright, so, Leo, Donnie, and Mikey, they return to the sewer home and they plan their next move. Now, Donnie discovers the reopening of the portal is going to happen directly over Winter's Tower. So, Splinter calls Leo aside, tells him that you know his team's not complete, that he knows what he's got to do, and the monsters, there's 11 of them. They've been captured at this point. And one of the stone, one of the stone generals, um, I believe his name is um, uh, Agula. He's, he questions Winner's actions. And he's believing that their leader is planning to betray them. So the generals, they conspire to basically betray Winners. And Winners is played by Patrick Stewart, if I haven't mentioned that already. He does a fine job. Now, he's wanting to remain immortal, Winners does. And that's what they want you to think, actually. But Raphael actually encounters one of the remaining monsters in a diner, which is absolutely a great, hilarious scene. He manages to actually drive it off, though. So Leo finds a Nightcrawler, or Nightcrawler, Nightwatcher at the diner and chases him across the rooftops. He corners him, and the two start to fight. So Leo gains the upper hand. He knocks Nightwatcher's helmet off and discovers that it's his brother, Raph. So Raph, being resentful of Leo's self-righteousness, his authority, and feeling like his brother abandoned him when he left, they duel it out together. And this was the scene I was talking about in the last, the last review about how the CGI and the rain look so amazing that I actually feel like I'm watching this for real and I'm actually standing there with real turtles talking to one another in the rain. So amazing looking, this scene. So what happens is, is that they fight and Raph actually, he ultimately wins because he breaks Leo's swords with his sigh. So Raph is actually horrified by the rage that he just showed his brother because it's almost like he wants to kill him. And he just takes off. 
Well, at this point, the Stone Generals, they actually show up, they seize Leo, and what they want to do is substitute Leo for the 13th monster because they don't want... Win Winners doesn't actually know what the 13th monster will look like, so he thinks just... They think if they put Leo in the spot, it's going to jack up his plan and there you go they're going to get the upper hand so Raph actually returns to Master Splinter reveals that they fought and he wants to make amends by rescuing Leo so Splinter and the Turtles grab Casey and April and they travel to Winter's Tower and that's where we get the awesome fight scene where they play the lights out song that I play in the beginning of the show and uh, the portal actually starts to open so Winner's discovers the treachery of his generals and he begs them to help him repair the damage that he caused 3,000 years ago. But they refuse because they want to stay immortal. He doesn't. That's essentially what his, his secret is. He wants to put everything back to normal, which putting things back to normal means he's not going to be immortal anymore. So what happens next is... The turtles with Casey and Splinter, they get inside the tower. And Winters actually gets knocked out by his generals. And he quickly does regain consciousness. And he reveals the truth to the turtles. He wants to return all 13 monsters to the portal so that he'll be free of his curse of immortality. And the generals re reveal to him that they wish to preserve their immortality. So they want to use the portal to bring more monsters to finalize and conquer the the world, basically Earth. So having refused to betray winners in exchange for you know the immortality, April, Casey, and the Foot Clan they decide to work together and search for the final monster because you know it's basically the enemy of my enemy. You know, like the friend, I don't know the, how that saying goes, but essentially the Turtles and April and Casey got to work with the Foot Clan to take out the bigger evil. It's like they got to work together kind of thing, which is pretty cool. I really dig that, the, that fight or that fact that they have to work together. So uh, Splinter, Winners, they fight off numerous other monsters emerging from the open portal, which Splinter's definitely got his fighting abilities, which is pretty flipping awesome. So after a long battle, um, and they uh, like a death-defying search, April and Casey and uh, Karyov, she's in the back of the uh, of the van, the Turtles van. They actually find the, the 13th monster and bring it back, and it crashes into the tower, and the 13th monster being right behind him crashes into the Stone Generals, pushes them all into the portal, and by doing that, everything goes back to normal. The Generals turn human again, and the portal closes, and April and Casey kiss, and you kind of think, yeah, the movie's over. Not quite yet. So Karya actually warns them to enjoy the victory that they had, because they're soon going to be, um, they're going to soon be encountered by a similar foe, kind of like implementing maybe Shredder's return to the future sequel, which unfortunately we never got, which sucks. But she and the rest of the Foot Clan depart. So Winners, who now is mortal again, he honors the Turtles and Splinter, thanks them for the fulfillment that they did and helping him get his wish. And he essentially disintegrates. He kind of dies at that point because he's, you know, he's so, he's hundreds of years old. Or, no, he's thousands of years old, so eventually he just disintegrates. So Splinter 
uh, proudly places winner's helmet that uh, that I was telling you about earlier with the trophy collection. That's with like the egg timer, the TGRI, uh, shredders, helmet. And Raphael actually asked if he can put his Night Watcher helmet up there. Michelangelo with the funny joke asked if he can put his turtle costume there, which is pretty funny. And essentially, we've reached the film because Raph uh, is narrating the end. They're jumping around, patrolling New York City, and the film concludes. And uh, and there you go. It's flipping awesome. Now, let's talk about the, the good stuff and the bad stuff with this film, which I'm going to say the bad stuff really isn't there. So I have a lot of good stuff. Okay, right off the bat... What I really dig is the fact Lawrence Fishburne is the narrator because I love Lawrence Fishburne. He's always good times. And he's just got that really cool voice, kind of like Morgan Freeman. You know, I like to say that those two have that kind of voice that is the perfect narrator. So I really dig that. The Night Watcher scenes in the very beginning are flipping amazing. That's where the CGI looks so real, especially when they're showing the city. The lights, the, the cars, you know, especially when they do faraway shots. Looks so amazing and so good. I really, really dig that. Um, probably my... One of my ultimate favorite scenes, which, again, the reason why this movie is CGI, not only with the story because you couldn't pull this type of story off with live action. I mean, you could, but it would cost so much to actually do CGI, like, you know, real-life CGI, live action CGI, than the kind of CGI they did in this film. But the skateboard scene when you're introduced to Michelangelo is so flippin' amazing. There's not a skateboard person on planet Earth that could pull off the skateboard scene that Michelangelo does in the sewers and jumping over subway train cars. Oh man, it is some good times. This scene looks so good. I am my jaw just drops and I am amazed. Every time I see this scene, I look forward to it every time. I love it. Absolutely brilliant. Great, great special effects. Excellent. Uh, I love Patrick Stewart. You know, he he does Winner's voice really good. He plays it off like he's this real bad guy. And then essentially you find out he's really a good guy. He just wants to put things back in order. I really dig that. I like the fact that April's not a reporter. You know, that's kind of played out. And we get a new side of April. And Sarah Michelle Gellar does an excellent job as April O'Neil. Now, I would still say the best April O'Neil is the first, is number one April from the live action films. Followed by Sarah Michelle Gellar and then the April O'Neil we get in part two and three. That's just my opinion. But I really think Sarah Michelle Gellar does a great job playing April O'Neil. A little too skinny though. I mean, especially for a CGI chick. She's got like this super tiny like waist. It's ridiculous looking how small they made her look, which, you know, I know Sarah Michelle Gellar is really that small in real life, but I'm just saying it looks really weird how they made April look. So Casey Jones is flipping awesome. He has some of the great lines of the film. Uh, I totally dig it, especially anytime there's smoke. It's like, why is Ninjas always got to use smoke all the time? You know, I mentioned before that uh, when Leonardo comes back to New York and they open the plane wheels and you just see him just hanging there, you know, uh, before he takes off and glides. That scene is is 
is excellent looking. The plane looks good. And I, I used to play the video game of TMNT on the PS2. And they had a couple different cutscenes in the video game. And essentially the video game plays exactly like the movie. Except you're playing longer segments of the movie. And this is the one scene that they threw in the video game. Is when Leo comes out of the airplane. And you see him glide off. And when he touches the water. I really dig that scene. Uh, it looks amazing. The CGI. The water. He looks really good. It's kind of like. Ooh gets you real pumped up. Like what's going to happen next. Now Michelangelo is kind of different. Uh, he's. He's jokey like he was in the first three films, but he's not... Here's kind of my problem with the film. Donatello and Michelangelo get almost no screen time. I mean, this is a basically, essentially, a movie of Raphael and Leonardo. They take up maybe 85% of this film, and Donnie and Mike get the other 15%. You know, that's essentially what this is like. So Mike's one-liners is pretty small. Uh, you know, when he wakes up and says, oh, I had nightmares of birthday parties, you know, uh, stuff like that. He has a couple good lines like, you know, the one in the trailer that you always see where, uh, yeah, it, it was your mom, dude. And then Donatello says, that would make her your mom too, doofus. You know, that. those are the kind of lines that those two have together, but they pretty much take a back toll, which is pretty disappointing because Michelangelo is my favorite character. And, I mean, essentially this movie is just as dark as part one, especially the fighting between Leonardo and Raphael. But we don't get the balance of... Michelangelo and Donatello's jokey, comedic style together. You know, for example, in part one, Leonardo and Raphael fighting, and Mike and Donnie say, fight, fight, kitchen, kitchen. You know, and then after the fight, they go, pork rind, pork rind. It was always tense between those two, but then you would have Mike and Donnie to balance out the scene. You don't get that in TMNT. When there's a fight, there's a fight. The tension stays there. It pretty much stays there for about 45 to 50 minutes of the film. And the film is only one hour and 20 minutes long. So as you can see, it almost takes up 85% of the film. Just Leo and Donnie's fighting that they have going. So that's really essentially my problem with this film. Is the fact of we don't get Donnie and Mikey as much as we did before. And their balance unfortunately is not there to counterweight the fighting between Raphael and Leonardo. And I hope that makes sense. I mean, essentially, I'm pretty sure you're getting, you know, you're getting what I'm saying, but that's really the problem we have here is I can't say, oh, I love this one-liner by Mike, and I love this one-liner by Mike, especially with the other three reviews I did. I had a whole bunch of one-liners. I don't really have a whole bunch of one-liners here just because there's not really a lot of them because this isn't really a jokey movie. It's very good, but it's mostly about Leonardo and Raphael. Uh, a couple of different scenes I really like uh, when they climb up to the building. You know, when they meet the first monster, uh, when they're on the tightrope and the camera goes 360 around them, looks flipping amazing. That actually looks like a real scene of real turtles walking across the tightrope as they're going across the building. That scene looks flipping amazing. Uh, after they fight the monster and the building gets crashed, because essentially it's a building that is being built, so... There's a lot of pillars you knock down. The building starts to calm down. I really like when Michelangelo says, hey, that's a, that's a 10 for, uh, I believe he says it's a 
10 for turtles, 8 for style, and 2 for stealth. Um, I'm not sure what, what he says after the 10, but that's essentially one of the best lines he has. And the other one about, hey, that she looked like he looked like your mom, dude. And then Donatello says, that would make her your mom too, doofus. You know, that's probably my second, two, those are probably my two favorite Michelangelo one liners. Now, when Raph and uh, Leonardo are fighting, because this is before Splinter finds out that they disobeyed him and they fought, because uh, when they fought the first monster, that's when Leo says, no, we can't go fight. They're at the table, you know, fighting, and, you know, under their breath, you'll hear uh, Leonardo say to Raphael, hothead, and then you'll hear Raphael say, Splinter Jr. Uh, that was some good times, um, you know, and they definitely throw the leader, you know, yeah, you're supposed to be this fearless leader. And essentially what this is supposed to represent is that Raph and Leo love each other more than they would ever admit to one another. And they really can't live without one without the other. And that's why they fight so much because Raph loves and adores Leo and Leo really loves and adores Raph. But they kind of have too much pride built up, which is essentially you can have that in any family where you really love somebody, but you always butt heads all the time. It could be because you're, you two are kind of two peas in the same pod, and it's so easy to butt heads with somebody like that. And essentially, it all will work out where Raphael says, you know, you're the leader. I can't do this without you. And Leo says, I wouldn't want to do without you, you know. Uh, but that's essentially what we're dealing with in this film is how those two collide. And it's a much, this is definitely the darkest of the series in regards to their fighting. So so when we get Raphael and Casey Jones together, uh, good times. They look excellent together. They have some pretty good one-liners together, uh, especially like nice talking to you, Raph. You know, when Raph is... They're sitting on um, the rooftop and they're talking to one another and Casey Jones is spilling his heart out to Raph and Raph falls asleep because he's so tired and exhausted from being the Night Watcher and Casey Jones says, good talk, Raph. It's a really good simplistic line, but it was really funny at the same time. One thing I really like is when Raph gets shot with the dart and Casey Jones rescues him and brings him back into the apartment and... Uh, immediately Leo asks if he's okay and he's like get out of my way or he says leave me alone and he says at least his personality is intact I thought that was a really funny line good times Leo actually has some of the best lines in the film so probably my favorite scene of the film is well not the favorite but one of my favorites is the fight with Night Watcher and the little monster the little cute monster in the kitchen looks flipping like uh, gizmo to the 10th power he's cute but super rambunctious and the fight they have is just oh it's so hysterical my kid was just dying laughing in the theater and I know I was too it was really really good stuff I really really dig it uh, that scene is just just some good good times and probably the last scene that I'll talk about is what I feel is the most powerful scene in the film and definitely tells you this isn't your mama's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, is the fight between Night Watcher, a.k.a. Raph, and Leonardo. This is on the rooftop when Leonardo is fighting Night Watcher, and then it's revealed it's actually Raphael. They both tell each other how they feel, and essentially it's a fight between, you know, I'd love to see you try to fight me. It 
it really looks like a fight to the death. And essentially, it's kind of how Raph treats it. Leo treats it as, you're a hothead, I need to cool you down. Raph looks at it like, I really hate you for leaving me and always you're so high and mighty and the fight is too two-sided you know and I really like that because Leonardo actually gets scared of after Leo breaks his swords of like wow it looks like he wants to kill me and Raph realizes wow I almost wanted to kill him that scene is just very powerful the scene looks great with the CGI but this definitely tells you how dark the film really is. I mean, kids get it, but if you're an adult, you can really look into it and see the hatred in Raphael's eyes when he's fighting him and he has him on the ground. Um, real powerful stuff. And essentially, when um, when Leonardo is rescued and Raphael gives Leonardo's new swords and just says, you're the leader, and you can see it in his eyes. He's just saying, I'm sorry, and I love you. Good times. So, yeah, that's uh, that's it. So, I would say I'd give the movie four and a half stars. And the reason why I dropped it from five stars to four and a half is just because of the reason I talked about before with the less screen time with Donnie and Mikey. Um, as I said before, it's not just because Michelangelo is my favorite and I really enjoy Mike and Donnie's chemistry, but it's just because of the fact that they're also the perfect balance between Leonardo and Raphael's fighting, their comedicness. Um, those scenes were always balanced out in the live-action films versus in this one, there's more fighting between Raph and uh, Leo than there are fighting with Raph and Leo and then Mike and Donnie there to make a joke or intertwine. So that's why I dropped it a half a star. But I would say if I would have had maybe five more minutes of Donnie and Mikey scenes included in there, it would be a five-star film hands down. So, yeah, that's my review of Team NT. And uh, it, was, it was a good time. I really enjoyed this film. And I definitely agree uh, with Tim, uh, you know, the, my old co-host on the Back to the Future series we did. He said this film is very underrated, and I highly agree with that. You know, it's definitely very successful. I mean, the film was made for $34 million, and the box office was $95 million, So everybody really dug, dug this film. And unfortunately, we just didn't get a sequel, which would have been so awesome. But... You know, what can you do? So that's that's it. That's my review for uh, TMNT. And uh, I want to talk about a new segment. Now, normally, I would just say, let's go right into emails. But here's what we're going to do. Uh, we are going to call this segment the, the, STL, the STL Nation segment. And that's essentially, obviously, your emails. But it's coming from... The sweep the leg podcast, you know, nation. The STL nation is what I'm is what I'm calling you guys. So essentially, when I get done reviewing a film, I'm gonna say, so let's get into and see what the STL nation had to say, and then I'll go ahead and read your emails. So that is what the STL nation is, and you easily become a part of the STL nation. You know, I have the likes on the Facebook page. But I only hear from selected people when it comes to email. So um, I'll go ahead and name off when I get into emails who's part of the STL Nation. And all you got to do is, is just email in and you're automatically included in the STL Nation. 
I like to consider it the elite group, you know, the big fans of the Sweep Delay podcast is the STL Nation. You know, like Crossroads, Crossroads has the Crossroads Nation and all the fans are part of the Crossroads Nation. But I like to consider the STL Nation the fans that always write in an email and all you got to do is email in once and you're automatically considered part of the STL Nation. So um, let's go ahead and get into what the STL Nation had to say. Now, um, the STL Nation, we all know we have um, we have our good friend John the Mailman who always writes in. We have John from Philly. We have Sebastian. And we have Anthony. You guys are part of the STL Nation. Uh, even Mr. Jason from all of the other shows that we all listen to because he wrote in. He's actually the, uh, the second emailer I ever had on the show. He wrote in on all of my worst movies, which was that was a hilarious email. Um, Andrew, uh, even though he's, you know, kind of the, the, ghost second host whatever you know he gets on whenever he can you know he was the first person to review me on itunes and uh he's emailed in before so andrew is part of that and um so yeah you guys are officially part of the stl nation so go ahead and just email in to sweep delay podcast yahoo.com just you talk about the uh, movie that we're talking about just you know give me some information on yourself if you just want to say hi whatever and I will automatically add you to the STL Nation club so I know it's kind of gimmicky and stupid but you know what I it's you guys make the show and uh you know it's good times so uh let's go ahead and get into the first email that I have and it comes from Anthony from Hillmar, California. What's up, sir? He says, Hey there again, Masunas. Glad to see that you appreciated the email that I sent you for the last episode, which yes I do, sir. I always appreciate your emails. He says reason why I didn't send an email for each episode is for various reasons. Sometimes I'm just swamped with other stuff and don't think I should send a review for uh for a movie slash movies that I don't really have much thought about. Thankfully, the setup movies that you have been doing haven't been the case, and more times than not, the movies you have done in the past have been ones I liked as well. That's good, sir. That's um, definitely something I I want to try to appeal to as many people as possible by picking films that people know and can appreciate and love, and try not to pick films that either nobody's seen before or never heard of. You know, but at the same time, not make it exclusive to a certain time period or anything like that. It's kind of a hard balance to have, but for the most part, the STL Nation is pretty much on the same page together, which is really, really cool. So he says, having it actually as a continuation from the previous three movies was a touch and in some way made it another part of the overall Ninja Turtle movie series, which of course he's talking about TMNT here. He says, one thing that I never really thought about was that during the first three movies that there was really, that 
there was no really showing that time has passed between them. But with TMNT, you could feel that around a year has passed since Leonardo has left the group and had an effect on the characters, which this is true. There's definitely not a time frame that you feel. Part two almost, I think, pretty much pick, yeah, part two almost immediately picks up after one, maybe just a couple of days after part one and part three, they never really tell you how far along difference it is between part two. He says, as a whole, I'd give the movie a four out of five. Haven't heard on if there would be a sequel following this, but I would have no real problem if that would happen. I'd love to say that there's definitely a sequel. In, uh, early talks was there was supposed to be a sequel to TMNT2, but... There's so many different things they're planning on doing now. It's hard to say. I really hope there would be, but I seriously doubt it. He says, uh, one more thing before I end this email. You said in the last episode that you wanted your listeners' thoughts about doing movie series and were willing to take suggestions. I say you should do it, and if I could, here are some suggestions. And before I read this, uh, yeah, that's definitely something that uh, I want to hear from you guys. If you think film series... You know, I think this is definitely a success doing the Turtle series because it seems everybody, you know, loves the Turtle movies. We all are pretty much on the same page what movies rocked, uh, the movie that was bad. And, uh, you know, the Halloween series went really good. I mean, John Carpenter's Halloween, I'm still the number one download for that particular reference. I mean, if you just type in Halloween, you know, there's no way am I even close on being top of the list, but if you just type in John Carpenter's Halloween, I'm the number one podcast for that, which is pretty awesome. I'm the number one for a couple different topics and then maybe three or four for other movie reviews, but it's pretty cool, and that coming from a movie series, it seems that uh, that's been going well. You know, doing um, Maybe I should do the RoboCop series, not just one, but maybe do part two and three. You know, I'm going to be doing the Short Circuit series, doing part you know one, and then part two. I talked about the John Hughes series, which essentially he's made a different kind of, you know, so many different movies and stuff. It's not like there's a planes, trains, and automobiles one, two, and three. So that series could be kind of weird, but you know, maybe a Blade series, you know, Blade one, two, and three. So, you know, I definitely, you know, send me your thoughts on that on your next email. Let me know if uh, if you think that's cool, just like Anthony did. And here's some of the suggestions he said, which I'll comment on some of these real quick. He says Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Critters, Puppet Master, Die Hard, Alien, American Pie, Batman, Superman, Spider Man, Harry Potter. Rush Hour, Porky's, and Mortal Kombat. All right, now, um, I definitely dig the Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Child's Play. But if you uh, recall, after I did the Halloween series, I said next Halloween I'm going to do another horror series, whether that be Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, or Child's Play. So it was more of going to be a vote from you guys when October comes around next year. So those horror series I'm going to say for horror times you know what I mean unless there's going to let's say Friday the 13th the sequel is going to come out I'm going to do the series for example Batman before the Dark Knight Rises comes out I am going to see that in the theater so I'm going to do the rest of the series before that movie comes out now I've already reviewed Batman 89 so I'm going to pick up from Batman Returns then do Batman Forever Batman and Robin Batman Begins 
The Dark Knight, and then the following week would be uh, a non-spoiler review of The Dark Knight Rises, followed by a spoiler review of The Dark Knight Rises. So you can essentially get that, uh, expect that, which obviously is going to be right around the time The Dark Knight Rises is coming out. Same thing for Superman. When Man of Steel comes out, I'm going to do all the Superman films leading up to The Man of Steel. Now, uh, in regards to Critters, same situation with the horror stuff. Puppet Master, that would actually be interesting because John the Mailman loves Puppet Master, but I have never seen any of them. So that might actually be the first horror series I would do because I've never seen that. And it would be interesting to do. Now, Die Hard, I would definitely do that series anytime. Uh, you can definitely count on me doing that at some point, uh, probably next year. Alien, I've never seen an Alien movie outside of Alien vs. Predator. I have always wanted to see the Alien films. I look forward to seeing the Alien films. So you can definitely count on me doing that series. American Pie, probably not, sir, on this one. Uh, too much sex comedy. I'm not a fan of sex comedies. There's very few that are good. American Pie 2 is definitely better than American Pie 1. But just for the overall tone and uh, I don't know. I think it would offend way too many people if I do the American Pie series. So pretty much you could put that at the bottom of the barrel in regards to your list here, sir. Uh, Spider-Man. I hate Spider-Man 3. But more than likely, if I see the amazing Spider-Man, I would do the rest of the Spider-Man series. Uh, Harry Potter. Never seen a Harry Potter series. Obviously, Andrew loves them. Uh, if I ever did the Harry Potter series, I would bring him on the show so we could talk some Harry Potter. Rush Hour, not a fan of Chris Tucker, so I probably would never do the Rush Hour series. Porky, same thing in regards to American Pie. Mortal Kombat, love Mortal Kombat. I would do that in a heartbeat. I'd love to get Ty on to do Mortal Kombat because, you know, me and him, we are diehard Mortal Kombat fans. So I would love to bring him on just to review those two films, especially if they're making a new one in the theater. So that's my thought on your suggestions there, sir. Very good definitely like them you come up with any more send them my way he said those are all i can think of at the moment if any more come to me and if you actually go ahead with this idea i'll send more to you later on that's all for my email until whenever i email you again see ya now in regards to this series here's basically how the rest of the month is going to go in the beginning of the year as you all know, this week you get TMNT. Next week is going to be Turtles Forever. After that's going to be the Christmas episode. Now, I'll go ahead and announce it now. Uh, the Christmas movie I'm going to be doing. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie of all time. And I get ready. Drum roll, please, because you're going to freak out. It's Gremlins. Is my favorite Christmas movie. And don't tell me it's not a Christmas movie. That's like saying Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. But here's what I'm going to do. Since Gremlins is so dark, I'm going to be playing lots of Christmas music to lighten things up. But it's going to be some rocking Christmas music that you're going to be just having fun and dancing to. It's going to be a good time. So that's going to be a fun Christmas episode. Uh, so watch the movie. Get ready. Uh, Gremlins 2 will not follow that because of the fact it doesn't take place in Christmas. But that review will actually come. But I love Gremlins. I watch it every Christmas. So that's going to be coming after uh, Turtles Forever. And then after that will be the uh, top 10 favorite uh, singles, music singles of 2011 followed by the all in the same episode, my top 10 favorite music singles and my top 10 favorite movies of 2011. And then 
Um, it'll be Christmas time, so obviously not expect a new episode. Then we'll hit the new year and start it off with uh, either the Short Circuit series or RoboCop, and then uh, and then kind of go from there. Uh, take it from there in regards to hey, what movie should should I do this week? Kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, next year is going to be good times. I can't wait to do next year just because I don't have a major agenda going. I'm going to probably do this. I'll probably do like a couple random movies and then do a film series. A couple random movies and then a film series. That seems to be uh, what I think would be good. So you let me know if that's a good idea or if I should just do series. So like I said, you know, you guys, you guys send me your thoughts and because you guys are the STL Nation, so I want to hear what you have to say. So that is it, Anthony. Thanks so much, sir. So the next email comes from our good friend, Sebastian, and he says, Hi, Sweep the Nation podcast, which, dude, it's Sweep the Leg podcast, but, hey, you always got to come up with some funny name, which, actually, that's a nice running gag that I've actually liked. It's pretty funny. He says, For every time I saw the live-action, every time I saw live-action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, I saw TMNT three times. It's an interesting story. Uh, it's easy to follow the plot with cool-looking villains and very intended humor. I think that the voice cast is fantastic. I didn't like when Winners died. From what I understood, returning the creatures wouldn't remove the immortality, not kill. So I don't really understand what you mean by that. He says, from what I understood, returning the creatures would remove the immortality, not kill. Okay. I get what you're saying there. Here's the deal, dude. He's 3,000 years old, if that. So the moment you remove his immortality, he's going to dry up of old age. That's why he disintegrated, because he's 3,000 years old. No human on the face of the planet has lived 3,000 years old. That's why he disintegrated. That's why... uh, that's why he just up and vanished like that. He says, I give TMNT 4.5 stars. I didn't hate Turtles 3, but noticed a lot of little problems that reduced the fun with it. I give Turtles 3 a 2.5 out of 5 stars. So, uh, Thank you, Sebastian. He, he emailed me again, but that was on Turtles Forever, so obviously I'll read that next week. Uh, now, if you guys remember, I asked you what kind of music are you listening to this year. Uh, and I said, what was your favorite song of the year so far? Because... Don't pick 50. I want you to pick one. But uh, here is what Sebastian had to say in regards to the new music and his favorite song of the year so far. He says his favorite song so far is Heads Will Roll slash Thriller by Naya Rivera, which I have to say, sir, I've never heard of this, so I'll have to check it out. Uh, He said the new albums that he's gotten are the Immortals original soundtrack, which sounds pretty cool, sounds like... um, you know, he really loved that movie. He wanted to get the soundtrack. Hannah, soundtrack. Fast Five, soundtrack. Uh, Carice, Shock Value 2, and Dos X Human Revolution, soundtrack. So sounds pretty cool, sir. Uh, that's some good stuff. So your your favorite song of the year, I'm going to have to check that out just so I can see why you dig it so much. All right, the next email comes from our friend John from Philly. What's up, sir? He says, hello, sir. TMNT, the newest cartoon movie, um, I will give four stars. Uh, Oops, looks like I should have saved that for next time. Well, we all know that uh, Turtles Forever, he thinks that movie is four stars. He says, "Um, I really enjoyed... Okay, you know what? My bad. I didn't realize you were talking about TMNT. I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm having a long day. He gives TMNT four stars. He says, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it portrayed the Turtles 
very well, especially with Leo and Raphael. Raphael is a mess without Leo, and when he didn't come back so long from training, that's what led to their fighting, which was great since he did not know it was Raph, um, and he didn't hold back. Oh, he's talking about you know how Leo didn't know it was Raph in the Night Watcher suit, and he didn't hold back. That was real good. He said, I also laughed so hard when I saw Mikey was working as a party turtle. Um, well, working at a kid's party as a fake turtle. That was hilarious. The main storyline was good with the monsters, and it was nice seeing Casey and April together. Uh, the only reason I give it four stars is because how did the other turtles not know their brother was Raphael, the fighting crime brother? Which, very valid point, sir, um, I have to admit. But we are talking Mikey and Donnie. Mikey is not very, you know... I guess he doesn't pay very good attention. And Donnie is probably just too stressed about being an IT member. And we all know he wasn't happy. But other, but I see your point. That's a good one. He says, I really wish they'd do more of these. John from Philly. So thank you, sir. Always a blast to hear from you. And our final email comes from John the Mailman. He says, what's up, Mike? He said, how you been? He said, great job on the TMNT3 review. And I loved your review of the concert. Well, sir, thank you so much for saying that because, you know... I know that that episode was really long, and I know that I spent a long time talking about, um, you know, the concert and stuff. But hey, it was an interesting story, you know, and I told you guys I was going to do that. So I'm glad I finally had somebody say, hey, it was cool, it didn't suck. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, sir, because it's definitely fun talking about. He said, Turtle TMNT3 was of a let it was just as much of a letdown as I remember it. I don't know why they changed the turtles so much. They look sick with those spots on them and Splinter was a robot. Yes, I agree hundred percent. Splinter we all know what I meant about Splinter. He was just horrible looking. He says the story was too much for a kid's movie. Uh, he said not much to say other than uh, it had good fighting and one-liners, which uh, I'll take it back what I said. Turtles 3 is the best of the live action, but TMNT is by far the best fighting of the whole series because obviously they're able to do moves that is physically impossible to do, and they look excellent. So hands down, the fighting of the whole entire series is the best in TMNT, although there isn't very much of it. TMNT 3, the live-action film, has the most fighting and is the best when it comes to live-action. So I just want to make that clarification. Uh, he said, um, not much to say other than good fighting one-liners. Uh, two and a half out of five stars. Now, on the TMNT, really good. Took me back to part one. The fight in the rain was hot. It stands out the most. Dude, I love it when you say hot. That's some funny stuff. I haven't heard that in a long time. Man, that's hot. Uh, he said, some of my favorite parts was Leo and Raph's fight. When Raph made the smoke screen and ran off without Casey. Good to see him back in action. And when Mikey said the turtles are back, I give us 10 for style. Ah, that's what it was. He says, I give us 10 for style, 8 for skill, and 2 for stealth. Uh, the courtyard fight, uh, Mikey saying, nice pads, kid. Oh, hey, Raph. That was funny. While he gets out cold, uh, when he's out cold, uh, Mikey saying, it's more like fall. Get it? And so much more. I know you'll hit the good ones, which... Uh, 
I, I know I was kind of lacking on the one-liners here, but like I said, there really wasn't a lot. But you definitely hit on some of the best one-liners of the film, sir. Uh, he said, I like seeing April in action and Splinter also. Yeah, April was awesome, man. I loved her fighting. I thought she was good times, man. I, I loved it. He said, now I can't wait to rewatch Trolls Forever. I give this a four out of five. Keep up the good work, and thanks for your time, John the Mailman. Consider this email delivered. Yeah, that's your that's your uh, trademark, sir, on Sweep the Lake. You know, I'm gonna personally say that that is your you know your little copyright stamp is John the Mailman. Consider this email delivered. Don't let nobody steal that from you. You know, saying online here for everybody here, that's his trademark. No one can steal it from him because he's officially got a trademark on that saying. So always a good time, sir, to hear from you. So uh, again, thank you guys. That is the STL Nation. So if you want to be a part of the STL Nation, I'd love to hear from you. Just go ahead and type in Sweep Delay Podcast, Yahoo.com. If you want to follow on Twitter, it's STL Podcast. And I know I don't talk about it too much, but the iTunes review, which John from Philly has uh, reviewed me on iTunes. I've uh, had John the Mailman review me on iTunes. I had Andrew review me on iTunes, and uh, a couple other random people. Thank you so much for all of your uh, iTunes reviews. They were very positive, very uplifting. I appreciate all of them. Um, but the more I get, the higher my show gets up in ratings for everybody to find. So it would be awesome if you have not left an iTunes review. If you could just go over to iTunes and just do a quick one, that would be awesome. So that is pretty much it, guys, for the uh, for the sweep the what everybody had to say in the STL Nation. And I hope you like the Karate Kid theme song because I'm going to play that whenever I start the let's hear what the STL Nation has to say. So that's going to be the new thing. Instead of saying the stupid, oh, do you uh, let's get into emails or have some cool saying or something like that. That that's going to be that's going to be our sound of uh, of us is uh is you're the best so good times so all right let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight all right so for the music spotlight this week i have to admit i had a hard time picking this song picking us song just because you know normally whenever i'm preparing for the next episode i always have a song that i'm like oh yep I I like two weeks in advance know what song I'm going to pick for each show uh, just because it's either like a song I've just been digging or uh, like, oh, I can't wait for everybody to hear this. But this week I'm like, man, what am I going to play? I have, you know, because the one song I have in mind I'm saving for the end of the year um, spotlight song. And I have some really awesome Christmas music that I can't wait for you guys to hear, but that's not till the Christmas episode and then I have uh so yeah I was like what am I gonna pick but you know listening being at work all day and listening to my iPod one song came up that man whenever I hear it I am absolutely love and adore this song because one thing that I really dig is artists voice that sound nothing like the actual person. And what I mean by that is for example uh somebody who is from Australia and when they sing you cannot hear their accent or you will hear their accent but then when they really talk they don't have an accent kind of thing and I also like young people whose voice sound old and there's this song that came out uh, I'm sure you probably heard of it before but a song came out in 1997 it's from this band called Days of the New it's called Touch, Peel and Stand 
and the the guy that wrote the song, um, he was very young when he did this song. His name is Travis Meeks, and you know he writes all the songs for the band. But the song is known because it's like this raw acoustic sound. You know, it's done with acoustic guitar, but it's got this real cymbal heavy percussion in the song. And uh, he was only like 15 years old singing this song. But you, the dude sounds like he's like in his 30s when he sings this song. It's flipping amazing. And this is arguably their most famous song. Um, I really dig this song, Good Times. Anytime it's on... I'm like I I'm like oh I gotta stop what I'm doing I gotta go jam to this song so this is the music spotlight for you this is Days of the New Touched Peel and Stand uh, hopefully if you never heard it you enjoy it if you have heard it rock out because this song is flipping awesome so that is it guys I hope you enjoyed the TMNT as much as I did uh, excellent movie and uh, I will catch you next week when we talk some turtles forever so don't forget to write in stl nation i want to hear what you have to say i got one email already on turtles forever Uh, i have to admit i've only seen turtles forever once so it'll be interesting to go back and watch it again and just see how how the movie how how it lives up so good times guys so i will uh i'll talk to you uh next week this is days of the new touch peel and stand and this is
I'm fine.